being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. What is up, old fam? Welcome to the 50th episode of the Thumbna Down on the Chargers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got the puppers. Oh, oh pumped up. <laughs> I'm Andy Prophet, joined by <laughs> Alistair Lloyd and reinstated to the active roster following the biggest week of his young life to date. New father, Jack Reed. Welcome back to the studio, brother. Woo! Monumental congratulations yeah! from all of us to Thank yourself you. and the lovely Beck. Um, mate, welcome Molly Joy to the world. Indeed, indeed. It's been a uh, it's been a hell of a ten days. Not going to lie. It's uh, I'll, I won't try and put it into words because it is one of the most incredible things to ever happen to you. It's dichotomous. It's all the feelings all at once, all the time. Um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and uh, we're really enjoying it. So, and thank you so much to everyone uh, on Twitter from Bolts from the Blue uh, for saying support your kind words of support. It's been wonderful. It is. It really is. I'm so happy to be back um, with my two best mates to do this um, and your guys. Guys, kind words have been awesome too. So thank you so much. Um, really feel the love. Love you, buddy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing love, love stuff. You, mate. We're so excited. It's fantastic. TDU crew are pumped. Uh, wishing you guys all the best as you enter parenthood. Uh, it's good to have you back to help us get the uh, the big 5-0 party going tonight, man. No game to review this week, fellas. But week one preview and the season of predictions coming at you guys tonight. Whether you've been with us since episode one or tuning in for the first time tonight, a huge thank you to all of you, our listeners and followers, subtle contributors, general legends that get around us, as you all do. Uh, we wouldn't be a show without you. So a massive thank you to you as we celebrate 50 eps. A uh, little milestone, but it's our first, so we're going to revel in it. And perfect timing just as the season's kicking off. Um, look, yeah, as I said, little league numbers, but you know, got to get there. So uh, humor us. Great gear to sink into your eardrums tonight on the show, guys. Of course, um, Chargers news to get us all started. We work through the Dolphins matchup. Um, the three of us will do our yearly predictions. Ali has the TDU fan mailbag for us. And in the third person, if you don't mind, Big Proppy's QB power rankings. <laughs> so let's get into it. Well, we're better than anyone in the NFL. And when you put the pads on, there's that reality like, hey, it's on the line. Offensive lineman really have to hustle up so he can get up and spike the ball. Pressure's coming. Herbert eludes the rush. Throws on the run. And it is Moving on to week one, exciting times as we come up against the Dolphins. 53-man roster changes and practice squad have been announced, guys. Xander Horvath, my guy, cut, signed by the Steelers. We claimed linebacker Tanner Muse off waivers, and doesn't that those long locks just scream cult hero? 
Drafted in 2020, <laughs> pick 100 by the Raiders. He spent his rookie season on IR, waved to the Steelers, uh, to the, the Seahawks. He's played a bunch of uh, special teams, not a huge contributor on defense. Um, practice squad, as I said, announced Brevin Allen, Zach Bailey, Terrell Bynum, Jared Clark, Killen Doss, Max Duggan, Andrew Farmer, Matt Hankins, Hunter Camp Moyer, Austin Pleasance, <clears throat> Amici Uzadinma, <laughs> IPP player CJ Okoye, and we've brought a familiar face back in Christian Covington, who spent the summer with the Lions. Uh, before being cut on roster day. We bring in wide receiver Alex Erickson, seven-year pro from Wisconsin, drafted by the Bengals. Um, more so recently, kick return duties for the commanders, so it could be just a bit of insurance for Darius Davis. Relatively unimpressive depth. Um, tight end Nick Vanette, weighed by the Giants once again. Underwhelming relatively in receiving and blocking, but it is the practice squad. So Dean Marlowe, veteran safety, uh, and Chris Wilcox. Uh, never played a snap, cornerback drafted by uh, from BYU by Tampa Bay. As we move on to the Dolphins, as we well, we said in our opponent series that um, there's been wholesale changes uh, at the Dolphins, mm. and Vic Fangio is a big name running that defense with mm. understudy now and former Chargers DC Ronaldo mm. Hill. Um, there's question marks over the availability of tackle Teron Armstead. Jalen Ramsey's missing for a, for a little while as well. Is, are, the, are, the wheels, are the wheels starting to fall off in Miami before the season even unfurls itself? Jack, what do you, when you look at this Dolphins team and you, and you work towards mm. this, uh, this matchup, what do you see as the, the biggest threats to the Chargers, the, those undeniable strengths of the Dolphins? Well, your tackle talk got me thinking, firstly, before I do that, fuck the Chiefs, go the Lions, good <laughs> win in Arrowhead today. And also, can I just say what Jawan Taylor was doing in trying to stop Aiden Hutchinson is a joke and it needs to stop because Joey Bosa got frustrated for exactly the same thing last year and it never got called. NFL umpires, referees, do your job. Right. That's, I wanted to get that off my cheaters. chest because absolutely fucking cheaters and it annoyed the shit out of me today. All right. Uh, I think I said it in my Miami preview that speed kills and the Chiefs, uh, sorry, the Dolphins have plenty of it. I would be concerned about Waddle and Hill. It looks like Hill has received no punishment for the violations uh, earlier in the preseason. And also you've got... At Devin A-Chain, is it A-Chain? How do you say it? Achane? Yeah. I don't know. Farkin, oh, Ficken, you know, it's one of those ones. <laughs> I don't think it's and... Achane. <laughs> it's definitely not Achane. <laughs> and Raheem Mostert. So um, it's going to be crucial for, you know, the edges to be set so we don't get burst out wide and also for the top to stay on our defense. Um, and you said it very well, Andy. I think Fangio might have something up his sleeve to curtail the Herbert Moore show. Um, but that's kind of where we started. I started off with the strengths. Alistair, what about you? 
Lots of strengths on this team, man. We did. We, we went through the Dolphins fairly comprehensively, listeners. Mm. You can check it out in our opponent series. But starts with Tyreek and Waddle, just an unstoppable duo. Both of them clocking well in advance of 1,000 yards last year. One of them excellent on targets of 20 yards or more. That's Tyreek Hill. And then Waddle is your intermediate guy, catch and run. They're just... It's kind of stops and starts there. Uh, speed, speed, as you were saying, mate. I'm going to focus on coaching. I think you can make the argument that the combination of Vic Fangio and Mike McDaniel is is the best tandem in the league of defensive coordinator, Ooh. offensive coordinator. It's at least got to be in the conversation, right? So that's a real big strength. Fangio's very hard to stop against. He's caused Herbert lots of issues when he was with Denver. Herbert struggled with some of those pre-post-snap changes, had a few bad games against the Broncos when he was around. Um, so I, I think coaching is is kind of where they have an advantage. Maybe minor, because I don't mind our coaches as well, as the listeners well know, but definitely uh, Fangio will have a few tricks up his sleeve. He's been at home, he's been cooking up the Bolognese, he's been out in Sicily, <laughs> picking up some truffles, honk, 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 and he's ready, he'll be ready to go. And if you heard his press conference this week, um, he, he's spoken of how that year off, he was a consultant for the Eagles in the lead up to the Super Bowl, and he said he just, I just got a few things cooked up that I'm, you know, trying new things, a few <laughs> tweaks. So we'll have to see what Vic... The old mentor has up his sleeve. Any other strengths from you, dear host? Um, I tend to think that there's aspects of this defensive line that are pretty dangerous. Mm. Um, can definitely stymie uh, the want to blend the run game in with the pass early on. Christian Wilkins up front, you know, in the middle up front, and then you've got Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips on the edge. Um, it's going to be a big test for Rayshon Slater coming back for his first pro game in however many months and uh, Trey Pipkins. Um, they're, they're going to be a big test for them. So they've improved their linebacker group as well. So you're right, exactly with Fangio cooking up some different stuff. Who knows what you're going to sort of see. David Long in there. Um, could, could be very interesting. They've got some names that you can't disrespect either. Xavier Howard was pro bowler last year. Jevon Holland. Good safety. Uh, so even without Jalen Ramsey, it's still a pretty handy defense all around. And um, yeah, obviously I'm of the mindset that uh, the Kellen Moore, Justin Herbert experience is going to be positive from the get go, but yep. you've got to be mindful of such a good mind, as you said, Al, m mingling with that talent. It's um, yeah, it's a lot. So uh, am I led to believe that um, was Fangio? Did Fangio draft Chubb as well? Am I? Is is that? That's that's. I might be pushing that a little further. No, Chubb would be. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably. Yeah. Right. So I I reckon you'd be seeing some improvement out of Chubb as well. I mean, I've got him here as uh, PFF have him, have him as the 57th ranked edge out of 119. I believe that Jalen Phillips um, and Nick Chubb could be a by season's end if Chubb stays healthy. A pretty dastardly rushing duo. Uh, so, yeah, I think those our tackles are going to have their work cut out for them. And building on what Andy said about Christian Wilkins, he had the best run-stop win percentage in the NFL of defensive tackles last year um, for tackles who had at least 100 snaps. So 13% was his run-stop percentage. So running up the middle is going to be a real problem against that mm. former first-round pick who's really come into his own. Mm -hmm. no, he's a good big yep. boy. 
Lots to prove and uh, a lot riding on walking the walk uh, in this yet another tour versus uh, Herbert showdown. Al, onto the Dolphins. The Dolphins' weaknesses. Where can we take advantage of some of their their lackings? Beautiful segue, but I'll leave that for the end on the old tour. I think a couple of obvious weaknesses from my perspective. <laughs> Unintentional. Pass I protection. Like I, I still mm. think it's a concern. Uh, Connor Williams at centre probably had a strong year, I thought, last year. But, you know, there's some disharmony with his contract situation. He's probably their strength, except for Toronto Armstead. If he doesn't play, that's going to be critical to this matchup. Absolutely yeah. critical. He is an elite left tackle. He's just in that phase of his career now, 11 years in, where he's talking about feeling like an old man. And on the injury port at the moment, he's listed with back slash ankle slash knee. Yeah, so, <laughs> I saw that. So, not great, I wouldn't have thought. Nah. So he's in, a blender. Li- in licorice all sorts, <laughs> the old uh, Teron Armstead. But, uh, so pass protection, I think there's an, a chance to exploit that. The entire secondary last year, even though I agree, Andy, that they've got the names, I thought last year under Josh Boyer, they took a backward step, um, including Javon Holland. So these are talented players, but um, Xavier Howard gave up six touchdowns. He's a bit boom or bust in that kind of um, Trayvon Diggs style where he's a bit nosy. He'll take some risks, but he'll give up a few in so doing. And because of the injury to Ramsey, they've had to pick up Eli Apple, the cornerback, um, yeah. who's going to start on the outside. And Bengals fans will know, and Giants fans before that, he can give up some big ones too. So I think there's a real chance to exploit the outside corners in this one. And they don't really have a receiving tight end to speak of. Durham Smith, yeah. you know, they prefer, yeah. McDaniel prefers to play with Ingold as a fullback. So they, yeah. they kind of focus on that instead. But um, there's, some, there's some weaknesses. A question I'll pose to you, new dad. Tuo, Tua, is he a strength or Tua? Is he a strength? Is he a strength or is he a weakness and why? Interesting. Is he a strength? Is he a weakness? Depends on how you look at it. I mean, uh, McDaniel's uh, McDaniel's scheme is based, you know, on that Shanahan scheme so you know short passes it's quarterback friendly so in that sense Tunga Vailoa can get the ball out very quickly and he's shown he can do that however if you are able to take away his first second and maybe even third read that's when I think he really starts to struggle because the play's extended a little bit which means he's going to have to be pushing the ball down the field a little more um, and I'm not suggesting that we go out to hurt to a Tunga Vailoa, but I think if you rattle his cage early on, all of a sudden all the questions start happening. Is is my concussion going to come back? Is that? So there's always that playing in the back of his mind. I know that sounds very negative, but I think it's true. Yes. Uh, and, 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 and I don't wish any ill on him whatsoever, by the way. He starts uh, to think that at the 2.3 second mark from the snap, it's over 2.5. He starts thinking those thoughts. Sure. <laughs> well, especially when you've got Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa bearing down on you. Uh, so, yeah. listen, it, it, are we? I sort of posed the question, you know, before um, to another friend. Actually, where's this debate going with Herbert and Tua? Is it still on or is it over? I'd, I, I sort of don't know where it is. It'll be interesting to see with another year in the scheme. Uh, if Tunga Vailoa is going to be successful or not. Listen, I think he's a decent quarterback. I don't think he's necessarily a game-winning quarterback. But in this scheme with these wide receivers, I still think he can get, probably get the job done pretty well. Just check Twitter. It's on. Don't worry. People are still having he, that conversation. 
look, I'm not I'm not going to jump to the defensive tour, but when he was playing, he led the league in QB rating and yards per completion. So he was running what probably would have ended up being the best offense um, by numbers in in the league last year, thereabouts. Um, but he just can't stay healthy. He hasn't played more than 13 games in a season, and that is a, a massive knock. If you're unavailable, you you are a weakness to a degree. You're an Achilles heel on the team because without them, they've now got Matt White, and he's had some days and he's had some not-so-good days, you know? <laughs> Uh, it's not, it's not a super reliable backup situation. I don't feel, I mean, probably better than the charges, but Herbert's made of others than glass, like tables. Yeah. Uh, Touch wood. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Um, so look, he's, he can, he can operate in this system. There's the discussion of, he was probably a disappointment prior to this season with McDaniels. And now he's. Is he part of? Is he a, a benefactor of the system? Uh, Jack, you do make a good point. Look what Kyle Shanahan did with Brock Purdy last year. It's a similar mm. sort of wide zone. Just Mike McDaniel has like real dark philosophies about offense and is able to cook up stuff that no one in anyone's basement has ever dreamt of before. Uh, it's um, it's it's helpful for him. Um, but like you say, if you put the pressure on him and you start to shut down his first couple of reads, then he really sort of, as we saw last year, he really struggled to pass outside the numbers when we cut off the middle of the field. Um, those intermediate and shallow crossing routes, we nullified that. The, the, um, the coverage was sensational. Watching the highlights, awesome. Michael Davis was a yeah, rash. Michael Davis was everywhere. Yeah. Doesn't matter That's- who the receiver is, all over him. That's the defense you got to play is tight physical defense on those those receivers. I was going to say Ow. that's the key, Andy. That's the key. His time yeah. to throw last year was 2.53 seconds, which is the fourth mm. quickest in the league behind Very Brady, cool. Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence. So it's in it. Get it out of his hands. They ran the second highest rate of play action of any team behind Mariota. 43.1% of Tua's dropbacks. A lot of RPO stuff, the stuff he did at Bama. So RPO, read the edge defender, keep mm. it out of his hand. And if you yep. muddy up that first read, he also had the sixth most intermediate pass attempts. So he's only operating in that little zone in the middle of the field. If Correct. you cover that up and Between force him to throw deep, he can throw a nice yep. deep ball. It's not like he can't do it. He gets it out on time, but that's how you beat him because he will, he will throw a pick or two. That's for Absolutely. sure. And I think that's where the experience of Kendricks is going to come in, right? RPOs, uh, what's Kendricks looking at? Can he get a little read? Can he cover the running back in the flat? Because, you know, if if Tua keeps the ball on an RPO, generally speaking, um, uh, maybe even a second or third read will be the dump off to that running back, whether it be Mostert or Achane, I'm going to call call him that now. So, um, but yeah, it's... They've got Wilson as well. Like, they've got rush. They've got handy rushes. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good point. Um, all right, well, I, that's I just wanted to sort of segue into how we should approach it because even though the personnel is different, it's like it is a a weakness of tours to have to hold on to the ball and push it a little bit further. He's he's really good with anticipation, um, but 
like Phil Rivers was. It leads to turnover-worthy plays. So yep. a big thing is, and it's something that the Chargers defense defensive players didn't do that well in the in the preseason is actually take advantage of those opportunities and glove those interceptions you got to catch those ones that are bouncing off your cinder block hands um you got to make most of those so if those opportunities do arise take advantage of them that's a that's a big point for me well yeah let's um what do you think jack where do you sit with uh how staley how the team's going to approach this game yeah. Oh, listen, it's going to be really exciting to see the the more Herbert connection. Uh, the dagger concepts. I can't wait to see the the trio of Allen, Williams and QJ um, and seeing also Quinton Johnson um, catch a ball from, a, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league rather than sticking with, you know, your, your Duggins or your sticks. Um, but also seeing Eckler as well. Like, what's he going to come out? What's he going to be like? Is he going to be running the ball or is he going to be used? You know, we've seen Dotson, we've seen Spiller, and we've seen Kelly. And, man, they have been, especially Kelly, has been running harder uh, or the most hard I've ever seen him. Uh, so where is Eckler going to be? I'd love to see Eckler lining up maybe in the slot, maybe doing some weird different things because Fangio is going to bring it. I think Moore is going to have to whip out his Swiss Army knife uh, far perhaps earlier than he would have like to because there's going to be some um, some exotic looks on the defensive side. Uh, but QJ, just seeing those three wide receivers, man. And then Josh Palmer. And then you've got Gerald Everett. Yeah, well, so, I was going like, to ask you, everywhere. Do, you, do you think QJ gets the sna- gets the reps over Palmer? Do, do you think QJ goes into, the, into his debut year as wide receiver three right now? I, I don't. Yeah, I, th- I think it just depends on the on the play call, right? I mean, I'd love to see, you know, let's give the Dolphins a bit of their own medicine back. Let's get QJ across the middle of the field on a slant and just go, boop, see you later. Fuck off. Touchdown. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, but whereas whereas Palmer, I don't think, has that, that top-end speed, but Palmer has more of that stop-start crafty running ability that Keenan Allen has. So, And then, as I said, then there's Mike Williams. Where does he go? Is he, is he running those deep routes, jump balls, or are we going to see him a little more contested catching in that intermediate? It's going to be fascinating, so fascinating. And Fangio is going, I wonder what's going to happen because I don't think we've seen much in preseason because these guys haven't played, which is a bit worrying too. I've got a, some strong opinions on this one. Unsurprising, mm. eh? The, the, I think if you looked at last year's matchup, McDaniel's going to take a look at what went wrong. And he's going to see that for some reason, Miami passed the ball 28 times and only ran at 16. That is anti-Shanahan. Last year, they, Mike McDaniel's team was 28th in rushing per PFF. Not what you would expect from a Shanahan accolade. So this is where this game starts for me. Can we stop the run early? Because they're going to try it, I think. I think they're going to think, okay, we didn't do this enough last time. We've got the fast guys. Let's spread them out. They can't stop the run. Let's run it down their throat. Conversely, can we run the ball against Vic Fangio? If we can't run the ball against the two-eye shell, we're going to see too high the whole game. Fangio's not an idiot. You think he's going to let explosives early in the game? Absolutely not. They're going to sit with two deep stay safeties, as Fangio likes to do, mm-hmm. and say, we're going to play with a light box and two deep until you show you can move the ball on the ground. And Kellamore is going to have to get creative with Josh Kelly mm-hmm. and Spiller, and that'll open up the deep passes down the field. So I think it's actually in the trenches where this game is going to begin. 
Good call. I'm expecting. Uh, I'm off. I'm. I'm expecting a higher probability of a uh, a Darius Davis jet sweep in the first half. I'm, I'm, I'm going like to yeah. say that. I'm going to say that. That's going to be one of those. I think change up little. Get them in there. Um, and the last one for me, Andy. I've got it. Is just finally having Mac and Bosa, a heavier Bosa, anchor the edges, letting Kendricks, letting Derwin James, letting Kenneth Murray do their work on the running backs. That's going to be super crucial. We saw last year that giant run. Was it Mostert that broke it? I can't actually remember. Down the right-hand side there for that touchdown or whoever it was because um, the defensive line um, compressed, leaving a lot of space down the sides of the field. And that was a pattern of play last year from the defense. So let's make sure that interior is solid and make sure those external edges are set like stones. Oh, football is back, baby. Football is back. <laughs> Too <laughs> bloody good. Result, result prediction, fellas. Jack, you first. 27-17. Herbert, 280-plus, two touchdowns. Like it. I, uh, I'm changing my preseason prediction. I predicted the Dolphins would win as long as Tyreek plays. Guess what? Tyreek's playing. I'm predicting a Chargers win. Because Teron Armstead looks injured. Jalen Ramsey's out. I, I was loath to go against the Dolphins because you just think the coaches are so good on both sides that are we really going to go 2-0 against them? But yes, we are. Woo! So I'm going to go Chargers by less than seven, but Chargers get the dub. 1-0. Love it. Yep. I, um, I, th I think I predicted Chargers win. I stick with that. If I don't, Teron Armstead's a big out and a big opportunity for, for our defense to take a hold and really rattle to his cage. Um, and I'm picking Chargers win by a score. 1-0 start to the season. Come on, baby. Right. Let's get it. Cross QB Power Rankings. The guy can't see over his offensive line. Hot route, hot route. Red Moon Dog 7 Eleven. <laughs> Fuck are you, Dolphin? Uh, thanks, Jack. Appreciate that, mate. That's awesome. That's right. Props Q QB power rankings. It's not often on the show that I hang my balls out on the line to get gnawed at by the vultures of the internet and social media. Probably the least aggressively, overtly opinionated of the three of us. But I thought, why not kick it off by uh, getting stuck into some power rankings for the QBs heading into season 2023. This is a list uh, of who I think are the best QBs in the league playing at week week one, not who I'd pick first if I was starting a team from scratch or anything like that, just who's the best given their current situation, a little bit of last year, form rolling in, so on and so forth. Uh, to make this a little bit of a, less of an arduous task, I'm going to go through groups of about eight at a time, um, and Al and Jack can, can sprinkle in and give their, uh, their points of advice or what they think. So to kick things off with number 32, it's going to be whoever suits up for Arizona in week one. Kyler Murray's on the pup list recovering from the ACL tear that ended his 2022 campaign. 
Cards are in the box seat for the tank for Caleb Williams, mm. who suits up in number in week one. Fifth round pick Clayton Tune or youthful journeyman Joshua Dobbs. Either way, it's going to be a real messy year for the Cardinals. So they can kick us off at 32. 31, only one start to showcase his talent. Sam Howell from Washington gets uh, my second to last, former fifth round pick. Um, real wide wild card kind of entering this season. Uh, lack of opportunities. So he only just falls behind, only just falls behind number 30, which is Desmond Ritter from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, run heavy scheme. He's got some weapons, only four yep. games to show from it. Um, he's also got a top 10 offensive line. So all the opportunity for this guy to be able to play into a little bit of positive experience. Um, and hopefully Artie Smith can kind of help generate uh, a friendly offense for him. Um, still both of these guys, uh, roar in the league and still have a long way to go to prove their worth as potential franchise quarterbacks. Okay. 29, Anthony Richardson from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, first of, this will be the first of no, no doubt plenty. I'll cop backlash over. I am well aware of his athletic talent and his potential. I'm also aware of how low his floor could be, uh, pretty erratic throwing, um, Will that cost him in the league with really intelligent defensive players? We'll wait and see. Um, this could be one that I'll absolutely eat my words on. But that's the fun thing about these lists is that you start somewhere and guys move up and down and that's how you play with it. So just because I'm wary of where that team is at the moment and the less sort of pro um, characteristics that he possessed uh, compared to a couple of the other guys that were drafted high last year, I'll have Anthony Richardson there. At number 28, Baker Mayfield from Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the first little dusting of experience. Um, a guy who is kind of aloof in the QB ether. Um, he did okay with the Rams in Stafford's absence, but, you know, McVay letting him go and not sort of moving on from the 35-year-old QB, Matt Stafford, um, who is injury prone and was injured, sort of says a little bit about Baker Mayfield's potential and longevity. Um, I feel like he's a slide down candidate as well. Um, maybe I've got him too high and some will say Baker Mayfield's, you know, in that 30 mark. Well, I'll enjoy dropping him down if that's how he plays out. It's not going to be a pretty year for anyone at Tampa Bay, I don't think. So we'll just see how that guy goes. At 27, Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers. Um, look, 83 total pass attempts for the Packers. He's had a a good role model in in Aaron Rodgers to sit behind, but only one pretty ugly career start to his name. He's got a young wide receiver group, a strong offensive line, um, but will the chemistry all fall into into place for for Green Bay with Jordan Love at the helm with uh, these youthful receivers? Can't put him higher just yet. Happy to be proven wrong. Bryce Young, first overall pick. He'll start straight away for Frank Reich's offense. Um, he's lost a big weapon in DJ Moore. He's got good pass blocking ability with uh, Taylor Moten at right tackle, but he's tiny. He's, he's tiny and will his, I'm just not sure. We'll see where his, his college traits translate into the big time. Um, the next guy, second overall pick, I've got him one ahead of, of Bryce Young. CJ Stroud for Houston. Um, first year head coach, 
Us offensive line, um, he's in a, a far worse situation than uh, Bryce Young is with what he's got. Shaq Mason is a good addition to the to his offensive line there. Laramie Tunsil, stout pass blocker. Um, they're my first eight guys. What do you think of eight to twenty-five? It's all pretty. Uh, it's all pretty relative at the moment. There's a lot of youth in there. There's uh, probably not too many surprises. What do you think, Jack? Oh, I reckon you're probably bang on with most of them. Perhaps I, I don't think I'm as down on Sam Howell. I think he's in a fairly decent situation. I actually quite like the way um, he throws the ball. Des Ritter, I think, is in a great situation as well. So I'd probably move them up to where maybe Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are and sort of Baker Mayfield down, Richardson down a little bit. Um, and I'm surprised you put Jordan Love uh, behind... Bryce Young and CJ Stroud because I watching Love in the preseason for the first time properly, uh, the guy can fling it and he does some things that look Rogers esque. But I reckon you bang on in that bracket personally because yeah, um, you know you're right. Poor old Rich Gannon has got his work cut out for him, and given his motivational speeches, oh, yeah, <laughs> Arizona's in a bit of strife. Good job though. Yeah, I really liked it. Alistair, anything did anything you, from you? Did you drive or catch the bus? <laughs> pew, 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 pew. pew, pew, whoosh, pew. Whoosh, fireworks, fireworks. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I thought it was a good start. I um I'm trying to think of the difference between if this is a quarterback ranking where this is who I'd like to go in with, irrespective of the talent around them, or it's like I'm judging how they'll go based on their surroundings, you know what I mean? Because I um I think Bryce Young showed enough in the preseason, especially the third game, to think, geez, he looks really calm and poised, but the uh, the surroundings look awful. The offensive line's bad and the receivers are bad. So I think he won't do that well this year, but I think he'll actually lift the players around him. I'm a bit lower on CJ Stroud. I think he is a candidate to be right down in the low 20s and actually struggle okay. a bit early in the year. Um. And like Jack, I, I like Jordan Love. I actually think he could surprise some people. But no great disagreements. That's a There's no one there where I think, what? That's not a bottom eight quarterback. All yeah. of them could easily be bottom eight quarterbacks. You might have a career in this. <laughs> this is where it gets a little bit. It's This, this is that sort of uh, second, just, just before halfway yeah, where is, you're actually yeah, challenging. like the vets, you know. Yeah, this is the challenging one. So I'm going to go 24 to 16. And this is... Just like a bit of a, what happened last year? Was that a, a sign of downfall or was it an outlier? At 24, I start off with Jimmy Garoppolo for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm going to move through this a little bit quicker. Um, Kenny Pickett in at 23, um, seeing good things, but is still young. He's still pretty Jack's raw. boy. At 22, Ryan Tannehill. Um, 21, Mac Jones. Uh, I think that he might be a uh, an improver this year after regressing last year, just with Bill O'Brien being there, actually having an offensive coordinator. At 20, Brock Purdy, and I'm still not too sure. Um, did great in what he had last year, but is it going to last? He's picked at the end for a reason. I guess Tom Brady's an outlier like that too, but who knows? At 19, Derek Carr. 
Maybe the fresh start's what he needs. He moves down with his fair share of weapons and they're not playing anyone really good, the Saints, at all this year. So it's really like if you can't make this work, then you're pretty crap. At 18, Russell Wilson. Um, 17, Geno Smith. 16, Deshaun Watson. Now, I have him a little bit higher than those other guys because I still feel like... He's got the talent. He's got the ability. He's got the smarts. And it's kind of hard to come back after having the time off that he did with everything that would have affected him in a mental way from his actions. Like, he's a piece of shit, don't get me wrong. But um, allegedly, you know, he's a filthy boy. He's allegedly a piece of shit. Allegedly a piece of shit. He's a filthy boy. But I still think that he has the potential with that Cleveland offense to come back to, to what he was. He's got a great line. Um, yeah, I think he might just uh, surprise if Or just, just return. Um, where do you guys sit with those eight? I reckon the biggest mover Alistair Calder is going to be, can he pick it? Because, uh, yeah, you can you can criticize the play calling. I know, Alistair, you're not as high on Kenny Pickett as I am, given some of the schemes that they ran in the preseason. But he did enough in terms of throwing the ball for me to go, wow, this guy could be a lot of fun. And with Pickens there, with Najee Harris running the ball, their defense is going to be good. I think he's in a great situation where he doesn't have to be a, uh, what does Daniel Jeremiah say? doesn't have to be a, a truck. But I think if he's, I think if he's going to be good enough, he's if he does his job, I think the Steelers are going to be right there again. So I reckon Kenny Pickett moves into that sixteenth, maybe seventeenth spot. Yeah, definitely I think room to climb. Room to climb. Agreed. The, the, my main difference with you is I don't think anything about Pickett is quote fun. Like I, I think he's he's effective without being fun. I see him as being a distributor. In the mould of Goff, Carr, Cousins, I wouldn't call any of them fun. Maybe it's kind of like a dad's version of fun, just, you know, sitting out back with your crossword, <laughs> having a morning coffee. Could be, could be dad fun. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> but, so Andy, I'll ask you since you put the list together, is it like, is it you're starting a team from scratch and you get to... No, I said that at the start. No, 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 he said, he yeah. said that at the start. Okay. No. Yes. So based on surroundings, I, I, I've got no issues with this. I reckon it looks pretty good. Um, Purdy, some people might balk at Purdy, but in this system, he'll be effective because guys are schemed open and Deshaun Watson, 16 is the perfect place to put him, right? Like the way he played last year, he belongs in the the twenties, but he's been a top five NFL quarterback. How many people can say that? Not many. So yeah, doing a great job so far, mate. Righto. Uh, just outside the best, the next group, 15 to 8. At 15, with big potential, I feel, to slide if he can't get his body right is Matthew Stafford from the LA Rams, 35 years old. Um, at number 14, I'm not completely sold on him just yet, but I'm excited for his potential under Brian Dayball, Daniel Jones for the New York Giants. His rushing ability is exciting. Over 700 yards on the ground, one of five QBs. You just wouldn't expect that sort of thing out of uh, a guy like Danny Dimes, but I'm pumped for the for the Giants. At 13, Jared Goff. Uh, I then moved to Tua Tunga Vailoa at 12. 
Uh, it's a big thing for me is I, I don't discount that he ran a really good offense when he was available, but it's just, is he going to be available for 17 or 15 games this season? I don't see that happening. At 11, Dak Prescott. Uh, 10, Justin Fields. And at 9, I have Kirk Cousins. It's really hard to argue with the numbers, especially when you have arguably the best receiver in the game, Justin Jefferson. Um, he's still just going to achieve. Hasn't had a season with the Vikes under 65% completion. He's slotted in well with Kevin O'Connell. Um, see. Trevor Lawrence at eight rounds out this group. Just on the outside, I'm ex I'm seeing very positive growth between him and Doug Peterson in this very QB-friendly offense, and he did everything that you'd want from a sluggish first year in terms of doubling TD count and reducing his TDs by factor two. Um, he's got the traits, and I see him starting to grow in into that and starting to process this and... You know, you saw we all saw that as Chargers fans in the in the wildcard game that you know he played he can play some good football. Um, they're my just outside the best. What do you think, guys? Hmm. Pretty fair. Group. I definitely, I definitely think. Uh, yeah, I reckon Stafford is probably the most at risk of completely falling off that cliff and yeah, moving into sure. the in, into the twenties. The guy can't connect with the young people. Um, but there's also, I think the most volatile of that group uh, is going to be Justin Fields. It's, it's a big prove it year for him. I really love Justin Fields for the listeners. If it's the first time tuning in, I have waxed lyrical about him. Um, but he's got a, he's, it's got to work this year, right? He's got a brand new coaching staff. They've done, they've tried to get all the weapons around him. Uh, but he could either shit the bed or he could be an MVP candidate. Um, so I think he's got that he's, and, and I don't know what you do, what Chicago do. If it's a shit, the bed season, what do you do? Do you, do you go back to the draft? Does he, do you re-sign him? So yeah, the most volatile for me there is fields, but, um, cousins in the top 10. You like that? He Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I like I that. Just, I like that. He deserves it. He's yeah, so do I. incredibly yeah. consistent. And I know like it's, it's not necessarily about what they've done in the past, but like he just continues to put up consistent numbers. Like, how many years has he had over 4,200 passing yards? And Seriously. he's had 100, over 150 touchdowns in his time with the Vikes. Like, he does get it done. And you don't kind of go 13 and four and win those close games as ridiculous as that is. And it probably won't ever happen again. But it, you, you just don't do that unless you've got a guy that, if it's not in prime time <laughs> or in the playoffs, he can, he can get you over the line there. Um, mm. That could be a big knock on him as well. You know, not not being able to win those uh those games to get through, but he's I like it. He's not he's he's not Dak Prescott throwing the most interceptions in the season, having played only twelve games and things like that. And when you watch the the Cowboys training camp and he's thrown a Deuce Vaughn in double coverage, the guy's as big as a tree stump, mate. You got a brain <laughs> in that head? What are you doing? How much is Mike McCarthy going to prove that guy's offense? It's always the Cowboys fans that come at yeah. you. And it's like, just think about it. All right. The rest are the best. Number seven to number one. Uh, number seven is Lamar Jackson. I have on this list for Baltimore. Money in his pocket now. All that stuff's out of the way. Hopefully he's healthy. Not that long removed from an MVP season in 2019. 
Um, it's going to be fun watching Todd Monken's offense as well, mm. more pass-heavy stuff for him. Um, Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews hopefully see an improvement on his uh, somewhat down 2022. Uh, good O-line for Baltimore as well. I, I'm a big believer in this guy. Number six, Aaron Rodgers with the, the Jets. He's got weapons galore uh, over there in Jersey. Um, we'll, we'll just see if, uh, once again, he's, you know, he's a year removed from back-to-back MVP. So even at his age, he's, he's still crushing it. I've uh, got him at number five. Our boy, Justin Herbert comes in at number five. Um, what else can this guy do? He's broken every young QB record for passing in his first passing and scoring in his first three years but he needs to do more than throw stats for this team. And we all agree, as much as we want him higher on this list, he needs to deserve it and he needs to be consistently winning games. Lift this awesome roster to a deep playoff run and keep Brandon Staley in a job. And you can go anywhere. You are physically and mentally gifted and dedicated to do absolutely everything. So continue to put the team on your back and um, top three QB, easy. It's just the results. At number four, Jalen Hurts. Um, Great year last year. Uh, The injury sort of halted what could have been an MVP campaign. And he possibly, if he'd done that and been able to knock the Chiefs off, finish higher on this list. I've got Joey Ice, Captain Clutch, Joe Burrow at number three. Josh Allen at number two. And I don't think it was any real surprise. Unfortunately, I have to list Patrick Mahomes at number one. He is an absolute freak. Um, but he lost today. So, uh, suck ace. Ta-ta. Patty. Guys, what do you think to round that out? Well done. Really well done. Like, very little I vehemently disagree with. I think it's all in the ballpark. I'm going to put Herbert above Hertz, who lost his starting job at Bama to Tua. I'm going to say that they're kind of like (laughs) lower grade quarterbacks and Herbert deserves a spot higher up the list. But no, he had an awesome year last year and there's no real reason why they couldn't do it again. Some people would disagree with Josh Allen thinking there were some danger signs last year with a new OC and that maybe, you know, things are going to blow up there a bit. Stefan Diggs um, and Trevor. No, no, go on. I was just going to say it was a deep consideration because... He, he he's a bit crazy sometimes and he can turn the ball over in really, and it's the opposite of what Joe Burrow does, who's incredibly accurate and elite decision maker. But what Joe, what Josh Allen can do with his arm and his legs is yeah. just awesome. He's awesome. special, it's man. It's game changing. It really all, is. Not to say Joe isn't, special. but they, they're all very special QBs. Agree. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is your smoky MVP. Like I could see a world where, where he takes that next step with Calvin Ridley and he ends up third on this list or something. But you know what? Eight is fine. I wouldn't like necessarily put him higher. So no, great job. Someone got to come the, up. Someone got to come the down. brief. Yeah, yeah. I, I must, this is a moment in time where I need to perhaps say some apologies because <laughs> I have been a strong anti Rogers man on this podcast and outside. But after watching Hard Knocks, uh, I've come to respect and understand the man known as Aaron Rodgers. He seems to be a good leader. No, the no. guys, the guys around him, they're all young. They're just looking up to him. 
and he seems pretty cool and he's doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, and I have this weird feeling, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Zach Wilson could be in two years mm. half decent. Great. You know, he, he could be okay after. He clearly just wants to please Aaron Rodgers, as you, as you picked out, Alistair. Just, hey, Daddy, am I doing the right thing? But Aaron Rodgers, I'm rooting for you until we play you. I hope you do something. I do like Gangreen. I love Garrett Wilson. I love Sauce Gardner. I love Robert Sala. My Lord, what a fantastic motivator of men he is. So apologies, Aaron Rodgers. You can still do your meditation in subway dark tunnels and take Silence. all of them away. That's great. Silence. You must be quiet. But Aaron Rodgers, good to see you put him at number six, Andy. Well done. Cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, by all means, listeners, feedback. Uh, fight with me if you want. I will not shy away. And I also will not um, make it known when I've been wrong. I, I love to admit when I'm wrong. So we'll see how it goes. We'll be updating this every few weeks just so we can see a bit of up and down. All right, Al, I'm going to throw over to you for a bit of TDU hashtag TDU mailbag. <laughs> Say, Sarat, Sarat, whatever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, hashtag TDU mailbag. Yes, it's that time again. And finally, we can, at this point of our uh, growth, we can have a mailbag where the questions aren't predominantly sent in by Dom LaFontaine and Nick Sears, <laughs> two, two, of, two of the best-looking, uh, keenest followers of the sport in Australia. We got a stirring response to our request for questions. And thank you for all the listeners who submitted your questions. We'll get to as many as we can. Bit of rapid fire. I'll throw some to the both of you, some for all of us. Let's go. The first submitted by E-Wing Fighter Pilot on Twitter, Ash Holick, based in Adelaide, I believe. He asks three questions. We'll do it quickly. I'll start. I'll answer first. But Andy, your question is, what would make this season a pass mark? Jack? Your question is, what is your biggest concern that could make the season a failure? And he also says, congrats on the milestone. And for me, he says, what do you think your biggest improvement is in the off season? And I'm going to take it left field. To me, the biggest improvement over the off season is the addition of Darius Davis. Because last year... Ooh. The Chargers were 30th in average kick return yards with DeAndre Carter at 19. And based on that kick return touchdown, I feel like if you go from 30th to middle of the field or above, that is going to be a huge improvement, relatively speaking. So I'll go Darius Davis, kick return is where we've improved the most. Jack, how about your biggest concern about this year and it becoming a failure? Biggest concern, I think clearly we've all talked about it, is the lack of depth in the tight end room. I look everywhere around and I see decent depth, but the, the depth in the tight end room is just not good enough. So um, yes, there are going to be lots of other weapons, but we know injuries start to start to occur. Uh, not having a big safety blanket there. Yes, I understand Keenan Allen is that, but is Keenan Allen going to play all, all, uh, all 17 games? Is Mike Williams going to play all 17 games? Then we're relying on Josh Palmer and a rookie. So uh, my biggest concern is the tight end depth. Okay, and Andy, right. what, what makes this season a pass mark? As far as where we reach by the end of the year, I guess, is 
for me, a win in the divisional round is a pass mark. A win? Okay. In the divisional round. Yeah. So mm. the team like needs that. to make the AFC title game to be I a think pass. so. I think so. For what is for what's on the line for for the coach, um, and for the team, and for this roster, I I truly think that last year the way that it ended was an absolute failure. And um, yeah, I'm pretty brutal on this. I think that a pass is a win in the divisional, okay. and a win. Yeah, thirty-two so. teams to get a pass from Prof. You need to make the final four. All right, moving on. Athea no, no, no. <laughs> just for our team, not for the thirty-two. <laughs> good point, good point. All right. Athea Cutter asks Andy and Jack to you. I have a question. Most likely to happen, Bozer and Mac combine 26 sacks or Herbert throw 52 touchdowns and rushes for eight touchdowns. Let me hear this, please. Love you. <laughs> so, just for some context, which of these is more likely? Just for the record, neither is fucking likely. So... <laughs> Herbert has to throw for 52 and rush for eight. Historically, his best ever season has been to pass for 38 and rush for three. So you'd have to (laughs) eclipse that by 19. And the combined sacks of 26, the most the two have ever combined for was 23 back in 2017. Last year, they combined for 10 and a half and the year before, 17 and a half. So 26 sacks for the two big rushes or 60 combined tutties for Capitano, oh, if, if, Justin Herbert. If, if one's got to be more likely than the other, it is the combined sacks for sure. See, I disagree. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Herbert. I'm going to go with Herbert. He's, he's my he's my MVP pick, and we know that okay. Joey Bosa's okay. put on more weight, which means I don't think he's going to be rushing the passer as much. So okay. let's go. Sixty combined touchdowns for Justin s- Herbert. <laughs> Thank Thanks, Athea. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you listening. Okay, Senor Snappy asks. If you got your hands, and I'll take this one, if you got your hands on the Lucky Chargers surfboard. I think the surfboard has just taken Alistair out, funnily enough. He's caught in a rip, and uh, we'll have to go and run a jetty out to him. Uh. (laughs) So what do you reckon? 26 sacks, do you reckon that's doable between Mac and Bosa? What do you reckon? Absolutely. I think it was low last year because Bosa 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 missed heaps of football. And yeah. when Bosa doesn't play, you've got to you have the opportunity as a as an offense to double protect um, Khalil Mack and chuck an inline in there as well. And uh, so his his output is is uh, decreased as well. Well, I just I, I just hope to see um, what's with the I surfboard. Just, yeah, yeah, what is with yes. the surfboard? Yeah, fiftieth show bound to happen. Hopefully not again. So he said, if you can get your Senor Snappy says, if you can get your hands on the Lucky Chargers surfboard that Telesco keeps handy for the draft, would you ride it? If so, what break would you take it to? And my answer to this is I would, I would take the surfboard to Nazare, specifically Praia de Norte or North Beach off the west coast of Portugal where you have those 100-foot waves. And I'm going to surf it there because with that lucky surfboard, nothing's going to kill me. So I'm going to tackle the highest waves <laughs> in the world. All right. The surf guy. Right. Okay. The surfers. Riptide. All right. 
chop it up. A couple Brandon Staley questions and a Kellen Moore question. Jack, this one's from Kyle D. Dominicantanio. Here we go. He says, Jack, what leaves the building first? Brandon Staley or Brandon Staley's hair? Follow-up question, <laughs> who should be blamed for this stunning transformation? If he survives the season, dude's going to turn into a badass supervillain and run the league. <laughs> yeah, uh, I reckon Staley's hair is going to lose him first. He's developing a great beard as well. I love the beard that he's got. He's going to go the Lex Luthor as well. Yeah, he's going to be the supervillain, but he's going to be a supervillain that's going to be coaching the Chargers, hopefully. So, yeah, I reckon Staley's hair disappears by season's end. Poor guy. Nothing wrong with it. I'm going loud and proud for the viewers on YouTube, whipping out the old bold scone in episode 50. All right, Andy, question from Scotty, B64, Sydney-based listener. He says, first, well played and well deserved on reaching 50 episodes, fellas. Love your work. Thank you, Scotty. And he asks, if we don't make a deep run in the off-season this year, will Coach Staley be cut? I think I'm more harsh. This sort of flows on nicely with the last question. I think I'm more harsh than... Telesco and the Spani, as far as hmm. <clears throat> what they would deem a failure for Staley, uh, would they fire him if we don't win a playoff game? Going into his fourth year, it's not a financially in tune decision for them to make. I still don't think so. I still think he would keep his job. If we even like, we I think we'd ha we'd have to make the playoffs. I think if yeah. we don't make the playoffs, then that's probably a different question. Yeah. Um, but I still think that as far as the team goes, and not what I'd do. Um. Uh. Yeah, I think uh, he will keep his job if we make the playoffs. Okay. Thanks for listening, Scotty. Appreciate it, dude. Moving to, I'll take this one, Dominic Muchachito, Jack's buddy, great writer, if you haven't read Dominic's work. Uh, he asks, the alternative to the Staley is keeping the seat warm for Kellen Moore scenario suggests that the team will be so successful that Moore becomes the hottest coaching prospect available. What week do Chargers fans start worrying about Moore getting away? Well, it's, uh, it's actually already started on Twitter. There's already talk about, you know, Kellen Moore, but we'll lose him. Staley needs to be gone. Uh, I think we will talk about this all through the season. I think be careful at distinguishing between the role of a coordinator and the role of a head coach. There is a universe where the Chargers might be great on offense and defense, and they have all the success and Kellen Moore leaves and would you trust Staley to hire another really good OC, maybe like a Zach Robinson from LA or someone else, since he showed an aptitude for hiring someone like Kellen Moore? Is there still a pathway there to be successful? I think arguably yes. Where it becomes concerning though, is if this year the Chargers do really well, but the offense is great and the defense sucks, then yeah. I think we're really, we have a question to answer. So, but Dominic, they've already started stressing out on Twitter, man. Just, just uh, read online. They're already really worried about it. Okay. This question from six pack from Belgium. One of our Belgian listeners. Good man. Very good man. Great beers. He asks, 
How do you guys go about watching Chargers games with being in a very different time zone? Do you watch the games live? Do you avoid the internet and watch them later? What do you do? Is that directed at anyone in particular? Because you're the most psychotic of us all. So why, <laughs> I was waiting why don't for you, that. <laughs> why don't you enter? Why don't you uh, entertain us with what you do yes. on game day? Well, we do. Uh, the phone's gone, basically, and unfortunately, people who know I follow this pins out they? over the trench. Yeah, like even my wife can't get onto me. I'm like, absolutely not on a Monday. There are only 17 <laughs> of these things. We've got to wait to watch it together, Andy. And the funniest, yeah. the funniest time this ever came up is when I used to work at, at a previous law firm. I, I'd, I made it to 5 p.m. on a Monday, which for the listeners is when I would go leave the office, come home and watch on delay. And I think the charges were playing the Pats. And just before I left the office, this partner of the firm who knows I'm a Chargers fan, he just walks up and holds the phone in front of my face with the score. Didn't even say a word. And I've just gone, oh! And he jumped <laughs> and I had to very quickly just say, oh, sorry, man, I was about to go watch that. And, da, da, and he went back into his office, never talked about football to me ever again. So <laughs> the, those are the levels of seriousness I take to make sure I don't see spoilers. Uh, anything to add to that, boys? Jack, what do yeah, you do in Adelaide? At, at the start of every year, being a teacher, I make it very clear to my classes do not speak to me about NFL football on a Monday. And if you do, you're getting a detention. No, I can't actually say that. That's illegal. Uh, but there has been times where there are... Well, I think I'd probably be fired for it anyway. Um, what I do, yes, yeah, put phone goes away, turn off Messenger, and sometimes when those little Google alerts come up on your on your work computer... That's ruined the game a couple of times. Uh, and also sometimes when Game Pass used to just screw up, all of a sudden you'd, you'd press play and you'd go, oh, this is awesome, this is awesome. Then it would fast forward to the end of the game and you'd be like, oh, great. That completely yeah. – that ruins my week, actually. And, Alistair, you can attest to that as well. So, um, yeah, it's a minefield. It's an absolute minefield trying to protect the scores in a different time zone. But, hey. <sighs> Thanks for the I'm, question. I'm probably a little – uh, in Belgium six-pack. I'm probably a little bit, um, yeah, absolutely. I want to know because that's a good few hours behind. But, yeah, it's usually on delay. On the odd day, there's a, a Monday without work. I'm a bit of an early riser with what I do for work, so I'll sometimes get up and watch it 4 or 5 a.m. live and try and stay awake uh, throughout. But I don't sit in front of a computer for work, so I'm not usually tempted or at risk of spoiling scores. So... I'm a little less stressed about it than these two guys. But we do our best to avoid them because there's nothing worse than finding out the scores of a loss, then having to watch it a few times to analyse it to then do a show oh, about yeah. a loss that you know is coming before you've even seen it. That's Yes, that is the worst. That's yeah. the worst. All right, a few Next. more. This is a first-time listener, GBGH-2. Okay. He says, looking forward to listening to episode 50, which will be my first. Two questions. I'll throw the first to you, Andy. This is year three for Staley's defense. It appears they have the talent and the players now have had the time to absorb his scheme. I've been underwhelmed the last two years, but saw glimpses toward the end of last year. What do you expect this year? Is this a top 10 scoring defense? And Ooh. that means 
how many points do you allow as a defense? Yes. And just mm, for yeah. some context, in 2021, Staley's first year, the Chargers finished 30th, allowing 27 points per game. And the Bills were the best that year, allowing 17. Last year, the Chargers finished 21st, allowing 22.6 points per game. And the 49ers finished first, allowing only 16.3. Top 10 scoring defense, Andy? It's a big, that's a meteoric rise, isn't it? That's that's hoping that JC Jackson uh, will return uh, and return to his Mr. INT status. And we are just turning the ball over a lot. It's possible. Do I think it'll happen? I'd rather go top 15 scoring defense. Nice. I think that's yeah. that's more of a pragmatic kind of meet you in the middle there, man. Um, I do see an improvement, but mm. thanks for joining I... in prematurely to now. <laughs> Can I just, that's also stipulated on how well we run the ball. The reason why the Niners are so good at only allowing 16 or so points is because they run the shit out of the ball, which means they can drain the clock and the opposition don't Great have call. any time good to score. Call. So yep. uh, if we can run the ball, I think we'll be doing okay. Jack, straight back to you, man. I've heard all camp hype for Kenneth Murray. Mm. Do you buy it? And if so, why? Color me skeptical. I don't fully buy it. It'd be a, if it was a stock, I'd buy fifty percent of it uh, because I do think there is a there is a lot of upside. Anyway. <laughs> In my world, you can. Uh, <laughs> Kendricks is a huge positive. I don't think Tranquil was a mentor as such because he was still young. Kendricks seems to be the older statesman. Murray also plays the toughest position in the NFL on defense. Uh, it takes a while for the brain to match the body. If he can put it together, he has the physical attributes to be one of the better linebackers in the NFL. We saw it a little bit. If you can remember that Patriots game in his rookie year, he had 13 or 14 tackles, was flying around, was reading the game really well. That was probably the last time I saw Kenneth Murray play really well. It was a couple of years ago now. He's also had injuries. They've been unfortunate. He's healthy. The pressure's not on him anymore. So, yeah, I think there's a big upside to him this year. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a let's call it, I'm buying 100% of the stock. I'm in. <laughs> Convinced himself. I like it. I hope so. I hope so. Sometimes it clicks late for these linebackers and mm. seems like a great guy too. So, good luck to you, Kenny. We're all watching and... Is the pressure you. off him though? He, they didn't. The team declined his fifth year option. I would have thought the pressure is sort of actually on him to now. Well, he's a free agent. Okay, he, the year, technically. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it's the pressure's on his own career and his own that's, livelihood. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because I think his, in, in terms of his position, because he he's got Kendricks in front of him and Amen, um, you know, pushing up as well. You got Neiman there, so I think internally there's no pressure on him to perform, perhaps for the team. Of course there is, but mm. yeah, maybe there's that external career pressure. Yeah, bang on, Andy. I might go. We, we've got a few more, but just mindful of the time. I think we'll go two more questions and say sorry to Kev Diego, Bolt fan in Las Vegas, and Andrew Borgstart, who asked good questions. We might try to get to them another time, but we'll just go with two more. One of them, Andy and Jack, this is from Buck Melanoma on Bolts Ooh. from the Blue. Awesome listener, very funny guy. Love interacting with him. He says... 
I'm going big on Herbie Moore and the offense in general this year. I know the talk is a renewed push for the running game, but I expect Herbie to have a monster year. Do you think he could push the 6,000-yard mark? I'm thinking minimum 5,600. Also, MVP chances. So, just so you know, Herbert has played three years in the league. His first year, he had 4,336. 2021, he had 5,014. Last year, 4,739 with the ribs. The two highest marks ever. Peyton Manning in 2013, when it was a 16-game regular season, had 5,477. And Breeze had 5,476. In 2011, so could Herb go to 6,000 MVP chances? Maybe Andy, you do the passing yard. Jack, you do the MVP. What do you reckon? Oh well, I think this could go nicer because I, you'd almost argue that the two would come hand in hand if someone cracked 6k, right? Like that can't be junk yards. That's a lot. Um, do I think it's possible? I think it's unlikely. I think there's going to be far more run play than just pass, pass, pass. Uh, 56. What are we talking there? That's like well over 300 a game. Definitely possible, but I think the low fives is probably more reasonable. Okay. About the do you, 300 do you think the, the record is in play? Like Peter Manning's 5,477. Uh, for anyone? For like Pat Mahomes as well? Or for Herbert? Um Oh yeah, okay. That's under five six, isn't it? I don't think so. Still, I think three hundred on average is probably a more reasonable. Yep. Uh, Herbert quota for me. Yep, I think Justin Herbert is also in the MVP conversation, even if he doesn't hit the fifty six hundred or six thousand yards. I think if he's going to be throwing that, if he hits six thousand yards, something disastrous has occurred in the offense, uh, and in terms of the running game. And I don't think we'll be seeing playoffs. He could just be spamming three hundred and fifty four hundred yards a week. So no, I, 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 in today's game, it just needs to be so balanced. Um, those records were set over ten years ago. So hey, not counting it out, but no, nah. but yes, he's MVP contender. Yeah, Love I agree positivity with that. For too, sure. Buck. And for thanks sure. for listening. All right, final question. This one comes from LFG underscore Bolts. Let's go. Question, fellas. Is there anyone on the pod that truly feels that the Chargers will lead the league in total offense this season? If so, please justify. Again, the stats is a background. 2021 Chargers finished fourth in total yardage. Last year, they finished eighth. In each of those years, it was the Cowboys who finished first in 2021 and the Chiefs last year. Just for context, last year, the Chiefs were first with 7,032 yards. We were eighth with 6,108. Andy, Mm. first? First in total offense? For total yards? I think it's possible. I think it's possible, for sure. I think there's... There is not much as far as limitations for the potential of this offense. If you look at Dallas being the first overall offense, I'm not saying that the coordinator is always the one responsible for that, but we got him. Mm. We got him in our yard mm. now. Mm. 
we got arguably a more physically gifted and smarter quarterback than they do there. Not much of an argument. It's definitely it's definitely possible. What do you think, Jack? I would not necessarily... Again, it's kind of like if you see it, is everything okay? Because I'd be very happy with eking games out on the ground if we can just you know play balanced football. Uh, no, no, it's when- total offense. Total offense. Yeah, that, that's... Yeah, the- yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you don't necessarily have to put up, you know, huge numbers to win games, if you get what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, you can be number one in offense. Uh, you could be scoring lots, but your winning margin could be small, for example. So uh, I, would li- I would like to think that perhaps we'd be more balanced. Hey, being number one would be great, but being top 10 or top five in special teams and top 10 in defense would also be really great. So Good answer. Uh, that's how I look at it. All right. Thanks, everyone who submitted questions. That was fantastic. That was awesome. Thanks, guys. And back to you, Andy. That was great. <clears throat> Appreciate you all uh, chipping in. And like I said at the top, getting around us, it really makes this whole experience for us that much more better when we can share it um, in, a, in various ways with all your listeners. All right. Uh, um, before we sign off for the night, let's go through our predictions for season 2023. Uh, so we're going to go through all of our AFC and NFC playoff teams, the championship predictions, MVPs, and then we're going to go through the players of the year as well as um, as coach of the year. Don't forget the coach of the year. So, Al, I'm going to throw to you, mate, with your NFC playoff team predictions. Okay, NFC playoff so, team predictions. Uh, okay. So if you, want to run, have... if you want to run through each division and then just say X is winning the division and this, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, I have the Eagles winning the NFC East. I have the Lions winning the NFC North. I have the Falcons. No, I have the Saints, sorry, winning the NFC South. And I actually have the Seahawks winning the NFC West. And then as the wildcard teams, I have the Eagles making it and the Falcons making it and the 49ers making it so those are my seven what do you reckon jack uh i have got the cowboys winning their division i have the eagles second in that division i think the cowboys are going to win that division i I didn't i didn't put the divisions on i can't remember off the top of my head i've got the lions winning their division i've got the packers in there as well i've got the falcons winning their division i've got the 49ers in there too uh, winning their division, and then the Seahawks are going to be a wild card spot. So uh, the wild cards for me are the Eagles, uh, the Packers, and the Seahawks. The Packers, all right. Love it. Yeah, Jordan Love, believe that. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, I'll start with the NFC East. Uh, Philadelphia to win the division. Uh, I've got the Giants and the Cowboys as well the last two wild cards in the NFC West, just the 49ers to win that division. NFC South, New Orleans Saints to win. And in the North, Detroit to win the division and Minnesota as that seventh seed wild card. Okay. Okay. Al, if you just want to roll on with the AFC playoff teams, man. Yeah. Chiefs win the West. Chargers make it as a playoff contender, as a wild card. Jaguars win the South. I have the Bengals winning the North and the, Bills winning the East with the Jets and the Ravens as the other two wildcard participants. So Dolphins miss out and Steelers miss out. Well, I'm exactly the same as you with the Bills, Bengals, the Jaguars and the Chiefs 
It's all winning their divisions. The Chargers are there. However, I've got the Jets and the Dolphins as wildcard spots. There we go. So no Ravens for you, Jack? No Ravens. No Lamar. Okay. I'm shaking things up a little bit. I've got in the north the Ravens to win the division and the Bengals to come through as a wildcard. I've got the Bills to win the AFC East and the Jets as a wildcard. AFC South, I have the Jags to win the division. And in the AFC West, the Chargers take out the division and the Chiefs as a wildcard. Cracking the uh, the hoodoo of the Chiefs okay. taking over the AFC West. All right, Al, what's your NFC Championship game prediction? You may as well just do All NFC right. Championship game, AFC, and then your Super Bowl prediction winner. Okay, and apologize to the listeners with a bit of crackling we've got going. Hopefully it resolves itself soon. I'll go with uh, NFC... NFC Championship prediction into AFC Championship prediction. Uh, NFC, I have the Cowboys defeating the Seahawks at Cowboys Stadium. So I know the Cowboys are finally going to get over that hump. I think they've got the defense to do it. And I don't know, something about the Eagles. I think they'll be very good. I just think in the divisional round, they might drop off the defense getting slightly older, especially at the corners. So Cowboys make it to their first Super Bowl since forever, since the mid-90s. Five? Yeah. 95. And then for the AFC title game, it's time, boys. The Chargers are making the AFC title game and winning the AFC title game against the Jets at MetLife Stadium. Oh, having beaten the Chiefs in Arrowhead in the divisional round. Chargers make their super first pass from me. Beautiful. First Super Bowl since 90. Interesting. Interesting. I am of the same ilk, Alistair, because I have the Cowboys in the NFC Championship game as well. And I have them defeating the Purdy-led 49ers. So there we go. And then I've also, in the AFC Championship, I have the Chargers. And I have them defeating the Buffalo Bills. There we go. Okay. Okay. In the NFC, I have Philadelphia versus Detroit. In the AFC, it is Buffalo versus the Chargers. My Super Bowl prediction and winner is Buffalo finally winning their first title over the Eagles this year. There we go. A little different from all of us. Uh, uh, let's go into... Um, we go through individual players. Let's just run through... Let's just run through our coach of the year. We've got, um, got a lot of interesting potential for some of these teams. Have you got a coach for the year, Jack? What do you reckon? <laughs> I had this down before today, but I had Dan Campbell. I believe uh, the Lion, he'll take the Lions to a really good record and he's done an incredible job as, uh, as their division champions. So I have Dan Campbell as the coach of the year. Good on him. He deserves it. Him and all his caffeine that he likes to have every day. So what Give me Dan a Venny. Love Dan Campbell. Great win as well for the Lions. Get fucked, Chiefs. Okay, uh, I'll go with Robert Sala from the Jets. I think coming from last in the East, 
making it to a deep playoff run, it's going to be the muscly man from the East, Robert Salah, 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 as coach of the year. Nice one. Jack, I'm in your corner. Um, I'm, back on the, I'm back on the Detroit Lions. And Dan Campbell, I'm getting right behind whatever the hell's going on there. And it, it couldn't, uh, couldn't have started off better than to knock off the Chiefs. Well, guys, thanks for joining us tonight on uh, episode 50 as we kick into our weekend and Al and I get away to enjoy a lot of unspoiled NFL, watching deeply for the Chargers, Dolphins, and a big win. We hope. We've predicted it. Until then, until we've got a game to review next week, we'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Football's back, baby. See you later. Got it, 6 and 10, 5, high step, touchdown, 6!